Secrets at OR by Denver Day, Book 2, Chapter 5. Faith and Lovers. Wilson was the prep cook at a four-star table in the campus district, and in the evening she was the expediter at a different but nearby kitchen. Smith sat at one of the small two-person booths by the central bar that protruded from one of the kitchen entries. The interior was fully wood-cloaked, but this room was maple and airy with high ceilings in contrast to Kelly Sienna's nookish mahogany. The air was full of the flavored smells and smokes of the busy supper hall from kitchens, grills, and ovens, tobaccos, wine, scotch, ales, and of the patrons themselves. The detective ordered a medium well steak with a side of steamed vegetables and a lobster tail. There was a sizable university crowd wiping away the wounds from their week's first day of classes with dinner ales. Several times he saw Wilson through the bar's kitchen door and he saw that bar staff directly walked all food orders made at the bar back to Wilson's expediter port. He didn't think she saw him because she was occupied as the switch between the front of the house and the back of the house staff and the restaurant was busy. But when he was just finishing his steak, Wilson came around through one of the kitchen side egresses and walked up to the detective's table and asked about the quality of his meal. He had no complaints, so he didn't offer any. She asked if he had made any progress in the Santos case. <coughs> I'm going to visit a family member of hers back east tomorrow morning, Smith said. Wilson said she was aware that Santos didn't have anyone really in the way of relatives or in-laws since she wasn't married and the on only child, and that both of her parents had been dead for many years. She asked that the detective inform the family member he was going to visit, that she and Professor Foster wished to offer any financial assistance which might be needed, either in disposal of Santos's estate or assistance to the family, and that they would also like to be informed regarding any funerary rites or services and more. Basically, if they don't have the money, or the relative, he or she, Skip and I will take care of it all, she said, but right now I need to get back to the kitchen. Detective Smith, please contact me when you return. Miss Wilson returned through the door of the kitchen. Smith parked at Seattle to come International at 3.45, and his flight left on time at 4.30. He changed planes in Chicago about lunchtime. When he checked no luggage, and by 3 o'clock he was in his rental. The detective drove to his hotel off a rainy I-95 and showed off the slightly showered off the slightly oily film acquired on his skin during the day of travel. He put on a pair of khaki shorts and a collared beach shirt, laid back on the bed and watched the local TV news for about 45 minutes while his spine decompressed. He telephoned Santos and confirming his arrival and their appointment the next morning. He took the stairs down to the ground floor of the hotel and took a spot at the bar of the eatery adjoining the lobby, where he remained watching the people in the sports on the restaurant's televisions until about 7.45. He put on his slacks and coat once again and steered his rental a few more miles up I-95. Not far to Santos' aunt's home. 
on the southern side of downtown's center city district the next morning. They had agreed on 10 o'clock. He parked down the block, walked up to her address, and rang the bell. And she opened the door within seconds. Janice Allison. He expected her to be elderly, but she was not. Miss Allison was 49 years old, she said. Santos's father's sister's daughter. So, in fact, not an aunt to Santos, but a cousin of hers. Though with the age difference between them of about a generation, her role was more than that of an aunt's. And labels had followed that form that followed the function at hand, the woman explained. Mrs. Allison invited Smith inside the house. It was a house decades old and bordered on either side by similar residences. She offered coffee and the detective accepted and they sat down and she wanted to know what happened. And he answered her in honest, gruesome detail the events uh, of the case. In about the last 15 years, the two women saw each other only around Christmas time, Allison explained, when they could afford the time and the plane fare, that is. But that amounts to just about every other year, she said. Beyond that, there was not much family business to tend to because the two were essentially the only ones. Santos' parents were both dead by the time she was 20. Her father had been gone since Santos was a little girl, she said. There was not even family gossip to speak of, she explained. Among receding cousins or other in-laws scattered about the country, Allison and Santos just kept in touch with each other, and that was family. Certainly easy to keep track of, she said. Smith asked how frequently she had spoken to Santos on the phone. She explained that it wasn't a weekly thing, but surely a monthly thing, and that the two had always gotten along and would sometimes chat at length. He asked of Allison what she might have heard Santos say about new friends or lovers, old lovers, jilted lovers, or any change in the lifestyle or habits that seemed unusual or dangerous or notable for any reason, she said. No. Kenya was a modern woman and always did well taking care of herself, she said. He asked if she had ever mentioned Professor Skip Foster or Daisy Wilson. Yes, she said. The art professor in the curtain. I met them two Christmases ago. We all went to the theater and then for dinner. That was the last time I saw her. We, we missed last Christmas. She was planning to fly out here this year. We'd already bought refundable tickets. I talked to her about it last month. That was the last time we talked. The detective explained that he didn't have any significant parties of interest except Foster and Wilson because... Uh, not to damn them, but because as far as he could tell, they were the only parties with him Santos had been significantly romantically involved, and he elected not to mention Detective Thompson's recent interaction with her for several reasons, the primary one being that he, he did not suspect Thompson. He explained that Santos' remains were still at the Pierce County Coroner's office, and that Wilson, the night before, had offered her and Foster's assistance in burial slash cremation costs and whatnot and other arrangements. You might telephone her regarding that, okay? Moreover, I haven't seen any evidence indicating Foster's or Wilson's involvement in Tina's death to clarify just under the circumstances. So, I have to look closely at her acquaintances inasmuch as victims of violent crime are typically not strangers to their attackers. They are, in fact, even more likely to be romantically involved with their assailants, he said. 